0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter.
1: This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. This is Mike at I am Mike White, also on Twitter.
0: And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Uh, this week is is a special episode of sorts. We are recording. We're going to talk about drugs. Matt's yeah. on drugs. <laughs> a very special <laughs> episode. I need them. Okay, guys. No, all of our episodes are special. <laughs> they yeah. are, except for the one that was all messed up.
2: Um, um, it was special in its own way.
0: It was. It was. It was. It was. It was. It was. Re- I was trying to imitate it, but. Ah. That's great. Anyway. <laughs> um, no, but this right. is anyway, yeah. sorry
1: about my my uh I didn't mean to cut in.
0: Oh no, you're fine. Um no, this is a this is a special episode in that we are recording it in, a, in an interesting format. Um today this recording, which will be spliced together with the other one, is all about talking about the gap some a a few gap movies and and to define gap movies it's movies that we by all intents and purposes should have seen but they've escaped us so what we're doing is we're going to talk about them each movie is a movie that one of us hasn't seen but the other two has and we're going to basically explain our why we should have why, why the other should have seen it and what the person who hasn't seen it uh, their expectation is for it and then we're gonna come back a week later and we're going to um, record our thoughts on on the movies that we've seen um, so did I did I explain that clearly enough? <laughs> yeah I
1: think so I think where the idea came from. Was I get a lot of you know we we do this show and and even before we did the show, people knew us as movie fans oh, yeah. and people who who are kind of in the know, you like it's it's pretty common knowledge to anyone who knows me that i that I see movies every Thursday. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds a little pretentious, but they do and and people kind of ask my opinion, and so sometimes they'll ask, uh you know, hey, I really love the movie blank or i i have you ever seen the movie so and so and i say no and they're like really you've never <laughs> seen so and so right and to be honest i kind of used to do that in the past until i realized nobody has seen them all
0: right mm-hmm.
1: and so i kind of got tired of people doing that to me as many movies as i've seen and i've seen a lot and and so have you guys oh, yeah. they are just movies that kind of slip through the cracks Yeah. um so almost like an effort to kind of uh, uh fill in those cracks, those gaps. I guess is the word you use. Yeah, that's what this episode is about.
0: Right, exactly. It's because uh, we all have them. We we all have no, like you said, no one's seen everything. We all have these gaps in our in our movie going history, and this is an effort to fill those gaps. Notes. Um, yeah. Yeah, so so this segment is going to be all about us introducing our Gap movies um, and talking about why why we haven't seen them, why we need to see them, and what we expect of them. So I guess we can just go down the line one by one and talk about them. Is that, does that work for you guys? Sounds good. Awesome. Okay. Who wants to begin? I can go first. Okay.
1: All right, I have never seen the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. What? what? You've never seen that? <laughs> I'm so glad that's how you guys reacted. <laughs> Couldn't resist. It was perfect. It yeah. was good. Uh-huh. I've never
0: seen 2001. Yes. The 1968 uh, sci-fi classic from Stanley Kubrick. Mm-hmm. Um, why haven't you gotten around to seeing it yet? You know... I kind of anticipated
1: this question, and I was thinking about how I would answer it. And I kind of answer it the same way I answer those people who ask me about any movie I've missed. And I always kind of say, well, you know, I just haven't seen them all. Right. Um, But that's not a really sufficient answer. So, so I'm going to say something that might break some hearts and, and could break your hearts. I am not a Kubrick fanboy by any means. Um, I think we've talked before that um, The Shining is not one of my favorite movies. I think it's a little overindulgent on his part, Mm -hmm. and I think some of it drags. Uh, And as much as I love, love, love Jack Nicholson and I love his performance in it, uh, as far as the source material I I don't like that Jack Nicholson is crazy from the start, and you, and you don't really get that. Mm. I also think uh, it's a little too ambiguous for my taste. Again, this is just The Shining. <laughs> um, I saw a clockwork a Clockwork Orange, which I really did like. I, I that's probably my favorite Kubrick movie. Mm. Um, is a Clockwork Orange, but again, yeah. I also think that's indulgent. Uh, Full Metal Jacket is kind of has a cult following of its own. Which kind of turns me off. Mm-hmm. So I've never been one to like seek out Kubrick movies. I've never seen eyes wide shut either.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: so what's weird about it and, and why I give you guys credit for saying what you've never seen, uh, is because I love space movies mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I love outer space and I love science and I love sci-fi. So I, I, it makes me wonder what a sci-fi movie would be like by an overindulgent at times filmmaker um it's also a very long movie mm-hmm. and i'm pretty precious with my time as often as i watch movies uh i i genu- genuinely or generally when i watch several movies in a day i try to keep them short and then i don't have a whole lot of time uh co- anecdotally i'll tell you that i have this stack of movies that I've might've mentioned before. And I know you guys know, I have a stack of movies that I've purchased, but have yet to watch. Uh, and they kind of sit there and haunt me. And the, the catalyst of that stack was the movie uh, Schindler's list. <clears throat> I bought it on DVD and it took me about four years to watch, wow. which I, I had already seen the movie and that kind of added to it. Okay. Um. So it kind of just sat there because it was long and uh, 2001 is very long um I gotta say, from what I hear from you guys, Matt, I know it's I don't know if you do a top ten, but it's got to be in your top five right
0: absolutely its yeah. I, I don't I don't do top ten lists like that, but I mean it is one of the greatest movies I've ever seen, yeah, no pressure though, no pressure, <laughs> I know well I, I was
1: gonna say i am uh, I am looking forward to it so so sell me
0: well i <laughs> I'm not sure you're gonna love it.
1: Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> it, is it indulgent? It's, it's ambiguous. I'll say that. Okay. It's, it's a thinker. It's a movie that, that inspires, like, thought. It, it's not, it's not an open and shut narrative from beginning to end. So what Matt is trying to say is I don't like to have to think. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> I'm saying that it's it's something that is left open to interpretations. One of the things that I love the most about it, I've seen it closing in probably a dozen times, probably. Okay. um, And every single time I see it, I come away with a different interpretation of of what the final moments of the movie is about. And what, what what it's trying to say. And what I think... I don't think that that's a fault on the directing or the writing or anything like that. I think it's a reflection of a movie that grows as you grow. Like, I I've, I've mm-hmm. first saw it when I was in high school. I blind bought it at Best Buy, full price on DVD for like $23.
1: Oh, remember those days?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, got that, watched it, and it's just... I mean, I couldn't comprehend what I saw. I just knew that it was visually stunning and, and seeing, seeing the, this vision of the future from the perspective of the late sixties. It's just, it was just fascinating to see how far Kubrick thought humanity would come. Um, and to it, it, that's one of my favorite things about science fiction is that is that it gives us hope for the future, and mm-hmm. that's this is the this is like a time capsule of that. And as I've seen it over and over again, every two maybe three years, um, several times a year, sometimes sometimes not, I've I've just the way that my personal philosophy and and worldview has changed the same way that that knowing more about the world i've changed and grown into an individual my perspective of this movie has changed and evolved from my first viewing on to repeated viewings and and future viewings and that's something that is just a very very rare thing to for a filmmaker to achieve and that's something that uh, that's one of the that's one of the many reasons why it's one of my favorite movies ever Okay,
1: it could be unfair to compare, but how would you compare it to, say, The Shining, which I know you revere, and uh, maybe Clockwork Orange, which which I revere.
2: It's very um, different from The Shining. Yeah, it's okay. a, for for many many reasons. It's very different from The Shining. It's not obviously, you know, you have horror versus sci fi, uh, right? Just I'll, I'll right off the bat, but I think um, 2001 doesn't necessarily try to make a statement. Mm-hmm. but it tries to it tries to um force the the viewer the the audience to to think about um t- to come to a philosophical conclusion i think yeah. which is incredibly difficult to do it's a very bold choice I, I think maybe you could only point to a handful of movies throughout history that have tried to do that um, not only that, but have done it successfully. Um, whereas I think The Shining is more. Oh, I don't know. I think it's just more of a, you know, a, a bit of a visual, in the context of horror, a, a visual kind of presentation, trying to scare you and yeah, yeah, kind of that a movie's all movie. about tone. Yeah, right. That's right. a tone movie. Absolutely. And and building to something, right? Yep. Um, tension. Yeah. Two thousand and one is very different from that. It's uh it, it it is also somewhat about tone, but I think it's more about audience participation. It's more about uh it, it's more about an evolution of your thought process as opposed it's very very deep. It's a very deep film. Yeah. Um listening to Matt talk about it, I've already decided I'm probably gonna be watching this movie within the next week. <laughs> oh me too. <laughs> Just Absolutely. Every time I try to talk about it, I want to watch it again. Yeah. Yeah. I might
1: actually watch, I I won't reveal your guys' movies, but I might actually watch what we have planned. I I might do a three-peat. Although 160 minutes is a long, long (laughs) damn movie. (laughs) Yeah. I will say.
0: Go ahead. If, in terms of, of setting up your viewing experience of 2001, I would recommend locking yourself off in a dark room (laughs) <laughs> no technology no interruptions of any kind and sitting okay. for the entire time and just absorbing this film okay um, i agree i that agree 100% is, that is uh, the- do i have to watch it on blu-ray oh that would be uh, that would be ideal because <laughs> yeah, okay. it's it's one of the best looking blu-rays ever and the fact that it's almost 50 years old is just and still has it's still one of the most beautiful
2: films i've ever seen um, when when we saw it in the theater a year or two ago, I actually said, I think it is visual visually. I think it is the best movie ever made from a visual standpoint.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then you must have never seen transformers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I thought that until I saw Pacific Rim. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But I think one of the, one of the things that sold me, I think Matt is the first person who told me to watch it. Mm -hmm. I think he watched it when he, when he blind bought it or whatever. And he told me, you got to watch, you got to watch, you got to watch. I was like, all right. And one of the things that he said that blew me away is he was telling me about all this stuff and all this, this, how visually impressive it is. And, and, uh, you know, there's this scene that takes place on the moon and it's just amazing. And then he said, he said something along the lines of putting it in the, putting all that stuff in context. This movie was made a couple years before we landed on the moon. Yeah. It yeah.
0: was 1 year before we landed on the moon and yeah. it was released. I was like whoa I need
2: to watch this now. Yeah, uh, right. And I feel like um to kind of give my opinion for how I think you're going to how how you're going to react to it Mike. Let me. Known- before you do. Um uh-huh. Matt said that
1: he, I think his first words were I might not like it. Um right. I I kind of want to pose when I say sell it to me. Why will I like it? Why will I like it? You guys know me personally. Why would I like it? So kind of add that into what you were going to say, but go ahead.
2: Right. I think I I feel Matt knows he's known you longer than I have, and I'm still getting used to your uh, tastes, but Mm -hmm. I feel like you may not like it, but I feel like you're really going to appreciate it. Okay. For several different reasons. Um, For its, I think for its scope uh, maybe to this now, not to this day, but I think at one point it had the uh, longest passage of time ever depicted in a film because um, uh-huh. it starts with the dawn of man and continues to the future. Um,
1: so that now
2: the time machine with Guy Pierce, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think, it's, which I actually like. Have you ever, have you guys ever seen that movie?
0: I have. I, eh.
1: I've never it's, seen it. It's a little silly, but I like the depiction of the future.
0: Sure.
2: Okay. I think it's um Tree of Life. The uh, oh yeah, Tree of Life. Yeah, which I did not like that movie at all. No, it's awful. Uh, anyways, I-, I feel like you're going to appreciate it for multiple reasons. Um, some of them that Matt said, and um, the scale of it is just so impressive. Uh, the music is almost unparalleled. Um, I j- I feel like you're going to you're going to sit there and be like, well, the movie was kind of it, it It does drag a lot. There's a lot of superfluous scenes in the movie that don't really that don't necessarily influence anything. They're just kind of there almost. It almost feels like Stanley Kubrick showing off a little bit.
1: But aha, uh-huh. he does have a tendency to do that. Right. Right. Um, That's half of the shining for me is Stanley Kubrick showing off.
2: But for, <laughs> and for he me. does it
1: well. Visually, he is showing off. For good reason, however right. my my point is at at the sake at the cost of story,
2: right, and see that's for for me, I feel like those scenes are so beautiful, I don't mind the trade off, yeah, so that's how I feel, but I feel like from from your perspective when I'm thinking about you know your tastes and everything I, I think it's gonna bother you and you might not be able to get past it, but I feel like all of the all of the emotion and the the uh the thought that you're gonna go through. You're going to realize that it's going to have such an effect on you that you're going to appreciate the film. That's how I feel. Okay.
0: If I may yeah. cut in here, um, you may. I disagree with Tiny about it having any superfluous scenes. Um, uh, it, at 160 minutes, yeah. Matthew, there's like I I understand what you're saying that it it does he does show off with that, but I think that everything connects to the bigger story he's telling in it it's it's more maybe he spends a little too much time with certain things like uh like i mean just just the uh the shots of space and yes. of the space station uh in that one like section of the movie where they're, they're on a space station um but i, I think that really really it, it may drag for the viewer a little bit but i think that it's also um i I think it's also a a an indication of him building the world that he's that he's creating in
2: and that's that's true, but the part where they show the spaceship landing and it's you just you're just watching a spaceship move at like three feet every minute and it's just landing and it's like two and a half minutes and finally it's just playing to the crescendo of the music and I'm just like uh it lands, okay. It lands. Just land the. <laughs> just land the. It doesn't matter. This is not. This is not influencing anything. Sure, but that, I mean,
0: you can see that as the statement, or I don't know. You can see that as 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 leading, uh, adding levity to the to the scope that he's he's trying to go for. Like he's he's demonstrating that humanity is at a place, technologically speaking, in this in this story, where they have this kind of thing. And I mean, it's in it's an to put it in the context of, of viewers in 1968 who are in the theater watching this, this is something that they, that they, I mean, we haven't even gone to the moon yet. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's something that, that they're just in awe of, of, of something so spectacular that they need that time to soak it in. And I think that that kind of really comes through a lot in it. Now the Dawn of Man segment, we can say for after Mike has watched it, (laughs) um, but I can, I'll, I'll concede there that it does drag there quite a bit, and that's yeah. a shame because it's at the beginning of the movie.
2: That's a good point. I'll, yeah. give, I'll give you that. But I, I, I just don't need it. Okay, sure. <laughs> just me. Uh, we'll talk sure. more
0: in depth about that after Mike watches it. But as far as your question, Mike, um, I think that I said you may not like it because of the ambiguity and and the and the nature of storytelling in it. Because there's not, there's, there's, there is a story, there is a plot, and that plot does have, have statements that, that are made about humanity and about, about bigger scope things. But the, the bigger picture that's shown from, from the beginning of the movie to the end is something that I think, like Tiny said, you'll, I think you'll appreciate it Mm -hmm. and you'll come away from it. You might. You might love the movie, you might hate the movie, you might respect the movie, you might think it's whatever, but I think you will have a lot to think about. And I think that you'll like it on that level because I know that you're a thoughtful person. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think you'll relish the opportunity to, um, to, to have some thought, to, to, to come away from a movie with, with, in a contemplative state.
1: All right. Why well, can't wait? Yeah. Yes. I'm excited.
0: So. Cool. Next up, uh Tiny, do you want to go?
2: Yes. Yes. Um I'm not going to have anywhere near as much to say as Mike did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I know. And you know, what's funny is uh, like I know what you're going
1: to say, but uh the level of credibility in the two films <laughs> we're going to have back to back here, uh there's a disparity, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But nonetheless, What movie have you never seen, Tiny?
2: The movie that I've never seen is uh The Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: <laughs> what? What? You what? How? You
2: Dweeb. I know. Uh. I know. Um Yeah, I it's funny. I, I know very little about it. Um to to go off some of Mike's criteria. The reason I've never seen it is um I'm just not really a big horror fan. Uh I I enjoy Shocktober. Um, I really appreciate the genre. It can be so creative and so fun. Uh, it can be such a great time. Uh, but for some reason, I just I, I of all the genres, I think I can e- connect with it the least. Um, I don't know why. I I I enjoy being scared. I think it's fun. I like thrills, and I like to ride on roller coasters. I like to go to haunted houses. It's fun. Uh, but for some reason, I don't know, I just think I uh, there's just a disconnect there for me. I, I don't know, maybe I'd have to think about it more, but I don't necessarily seek out um, the classics of the horror genre. Uh, for example, I had basically never seen what I now consider to be the quintessential Shocktober film, the original Halloween. Uh, I had never seen that, really. I mean, I had seen parts of it, but I had just never seen it until last year. You know, I mean, six months ago or so. Um, so that that is the depth to which my lack of knowledge and and participation in the horror genre goes. Um, no, and me, I think, go ahead. go ahead. Well, I was going to say, uh, have you seen any of the sequels or the remake? I think I saw one of the sequels. Okay. Yeah. Well, they're they're, they're really seen.
1: quite irrelevant. Okay. Except for the Dream Warriors Part Three. Gonna, but, I was just going to say,
0: I hope it was Dream Warriors. Uh, written, yeah. Co-written by uh, Frank Darabont.
2: Yes, is uh, who? Who's the famous actress that's in them? Is it Brooke Shields? No, Jusha Arquette. Is that who it is? Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I don't know. I know so little about it. I, I just <laughs> Heather Langenkamp
1: is the is in the original.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. I don't know. I, I I know I've seen one of them, but I'm pretty positive it was not the first one, the original. Yeah. Uh, and even if it was, I can basically say I've never seen it cause I remember <laughs> next to nothing about it. Yeah. Um, but what I'm looking forward to is just, I think the concept is amazing. You know, there's this being or this, uh, entity that exists only in a, another level of consciousness and his desire is to kill you or torture you or either way. It doesn't matter. It's terrifying. Um, that's really brilliant. That's really scary. That's, that's such a creative idea. I'm curious to see how that's how that works and, and how it's presented and um I'm actually looking forward to it a lot. I I I don't know I haven't heard a lot of um reviews or opinions on it um other than one or two people. Um so I don't have too developed of a bias either way whether I'm going to like it or not. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm really objective with it. So I'm I'm excited. Cool. Yeah.
1: Matt you mind if I go first? Go right ahead. You mentioned firstly you like when horror movies can be creative, mm-hmm. uh, and as far as like the eighties slashers, it is b- leaps and bounds the most creative. the the um, The idea of the whole movie is is really p- quite brilliant, uh, and it's really scary. I mean, the the idea that someone could kill you in your kill you in your dreams and is capable of anything is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the idea of it, and I think you'll enjoy it for that reason. Personally, for me, um, when you talk about kind of the the cadre of of horror villains and and who are the most important or like who are the major three, I would go Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, and then Freddy Krueger. Um, but there are loads and loads of people who would disagree with me. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think, um a couple of the sequels even made more money than the Friday, the 13th sequels. Um, mm. Also the, some of the nightmare sequels catch a bad rap. Yeah. I, I think you're really going to be surprised with how scary Freddy is in, in the first movie mm-hmm. um, because of the sequels. He kind of took on the more jocular tone, m- mostly in uh, Elm Street three, the dream warriors. That's, that's kind of when he started saying, you know, things like you're in my world now, bitch. And, and the, just the quippy um Freddy Krueger in in the first one that he even has he even has a deeper tone to his voice and the, and they do more of an affectation and it's kind of it's kind of creepy there's a scene um early on in the movie kind of one of the first glimpses you get to see of him that that still chills me like if <laughs> you know if it's october and i'm lying in bed and i close my eyes and i'm just thinking of scary things that that's an image that will give me chills i don't know if matt's thinking of the same thing but i awesome. i think i remember him saying that scene's
0: pretty chilling as I well gotcha yeah
1: do you know what i'm talking about i think so yeah yeah Um, so it's pretty good. I'm excited to see that surprise that you'll have with, with how he is. Um, I'm a little unsatisfied with, I I don't think the movie sticks the landing and I'm interested to see what you think about it. And also, uh, the most famous bit of trivia from the movie is that it was Johnny Depp's first role,
2: right? Uh Um, Okay.
1: I, I think you'll get a kick out of him because how do you feel about Johnny Depp now?
2: Uh, well, that's, when he was at his peak, I was a huge fan, but you know, now he's, I think a lot of people are like, yeah, Johnny Depp, whatever. Yeah. Well, just as a regular
1: teen guy, you know, just as Glenn, the boyfriend, he's (laughs) Mm -hmm. awesome. Oh yeah. As a, as a teen in a slasher movie, he's damn near perfect. And, And I'm excited for you to see that uh Heather Langenkamp could have probably taken a couple more acting classes uh <laughs> before playing the role of Nancy. She, I I think you'll notice that. Um but I I think you might be surprised by some of the performances. Again, specifically by Johnny Depp as Glenn and I think John Saxon uh as as Heather Langenkamp Nancy's dad. I I think is also pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um So Matt, yeah. what do you think?
0: uh you hit the nail on the head a lot what <laughs> <laughs> what this what this movie means to me is i i i i've appreciated it in the past just strictly as a concept at a conceptual level i even went as far as to say i didn't really care for the movie that much, but I think that it's the most inventive um plot for a horror film that i've ever heard i mean just the fact that this guy kills people in their dreams is just such an inventive plot device that it's, it's the most terrifying thought that you can have because that takes away any and all safety that, that you can have. I mean, like your dreams, I, I'm someone who just, <laughs> I cherish my sleep. And <laughs> when I sleep and I have dreams, that's, that's a safe area. That's something that's, it's, it's, it's just something that that just doesn't i don't think of as a dangerous place at all, like I don't have nightmares or night terrors or anything like that. You don't have nightmares ever no i mean i have i have night i have i have dreams in which I'll wake up slightly perturbed or or disturbed a little bit, but I always wake up knowing that I'm safe.
1: Oh gotcha see I've had times and i i don't it's kind of a chicken of the egg I don't know which came first, did I <laughs> Did I see Nightmare on Elm Street first, or did I did I have nightmares first? But I will say the boogeyman has visited me in my dreams several times throughout my life. So I I was I was able to uh, not only appreciate but connect with the, nice. the idea in this movie.
0: I'm a uh, I'm almost to the point of being envious of that because I can't. <laughs> don't be, in- man! It's terrifying. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, don't. I've be. had I've had days <laughs> ruined. Where where I'll kind of do a
1: dub like like waking uh Mm -hmm. um reverie where I'll kind of have a nightmare and then wake up and remember that I had that nightmare and just kind of blink and kind of see that nightmare happening again but in a pseudo reality
0: oh wow and it just
1: it just ruins my day
0: wow I've never had that experience I've had experiences where where I'll have I'll have a dream where like loved ones will, will be in danger or something. I remember a very vivid dream from my childhood where there was like an avalanche or something or, or a blizzard and I I met up with my family and and like my brother was just gone. Like he was gone. And I woke up uh-huh. thinking like I just woke up feel, with a feeling in the pit of my stomach that's just that was just utter sadness. And it took like a moment yeah. and I was like, oh, wait, he's okay. We're fine. <laughs> um. <laughs> It just kind of, I mean, it, it sat with me the rest of the day and, and I, even now I remember it, but I don't have that with any ounce of regularity or, or anything like that. That's, that's the one of the reasons why it sticks with me is that both it's, it's a traumatic thing that my subconscious conjured up for me. And it's mm-hmm. also the one that, that sticks with me because it's so, it's in a class by itself. I usually have pretty normal dreams, the ones that I can remember. Mm -hmm. but but what, uh, to get back to the movie, I, uh, but when I rewatched it, I rewatched it this October and I can get, I I've gotten every time I watch it, this is another movie where every time I watch it, not to compare it to 2001. Cause I mean, come on, (laughs) um, it's, uh, it's a movie that that I've grown to appreciate more as a film, and its its stance and and the in the pantheon of, of the horror genre, is is really, it's importance to the horror genre is very evident, and it, it it's deserving for sure, absolutely. And it, and you're right, uh, uh Freddy Krueger or Fred, as he's referred to in this movie, that's right. He's he's terrifying. He's he's a he's a frightening, frightening entity, and the fact that I mean, there's no, it's a little marred by the sequels, but I mean, this, this, this incarnation of them is just, is just really, really scary. And it's, it's, it's a really fascinating movie. Um, it's not light on the gore either. No, it's not. <laughs> and some of the effects are absolutely, uh, uh, like really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Mike, I think you may be thinking, or you may know exactly the scene that I'm thinking of. <laughs> Yes, I do. The iconic scene. Uh huh. Um. So yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about it, Tiny. Knowing that you're not a huge fan of horror or that you don't really. I mean, you like horror movies, but I, like you said, I I think you'll grow. You'll I think you'll come out from this appreciating it for its history to the genre and for its concept and for its execution even. Uh, Keep in
1: mind, you will not have the same experience you had with Halloween. Mm -hmm. Halloween is a piece of art to be revered. Yeah. Right. Uh, Art. A Nightmare on Elm Street is not. Yeah. But it's good horror.
0: Oh yeah.
2: Okay.
0: Yep.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. What
0: do
2: you expect from it, Tiny? Oh yeah. Um. Oh man, I just have so. like I said, I have such an objective stance on it because I know so little about it. I don't really know what to expect um, based on what I've heard and and what I know it's about. I feel like kind of how I think you're going to feel about 2001. I think I'm going to appreciate parts of it, but I I don't know. I just have a feeling for the most part I'm going to be like, eh, wasn't that great? But you know, I, I'm I'm objective just because I've watched so many horror movies and mm-hmm. and 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 just not been a fan. Um, And even in, to use your terminology, you said it's really good horror. Well, that doesn't, this is going to sound condescending, but that doesn't mean a lot to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's
0: that's fair.
1: Yeah. And (laughs) I'm not condescending at all.
2: Right. I'm not really a fan of gore either. Not because it's gross, just because I think it's, uh, I think it's like the equivalent of filler, sort of. Okay. I don't think it not that it can't be useful, but mm-hmm. I just I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. I T- think it's uh, I think it's cheap sort of.
0: Okay. Well,
2: most of the time anyways.
0: Yeah. Well, you know me, and you know that I'm a pansy when it comes to gore, so I hope that my saying that it has some good gore and it adds some some credence to it, I think.
2: It doesn't because
0: it's not <laughs> <laughs> because it's not like it's not like torture porn or anything like that. It's just very okay. effective, um, practical effects. Okay. Okay. Um, yep. That really lend itself to the tone in in the story being told.
2: Okay. Yeah. I'm definitely excited to watch it though. I, I really am. Yes. I, I wasn't when we first picked it. I was like, okay, yeah, I guess that's all <laughs> right. But honestly, like, I'm I'm I've gotten a lot more excited for it. So. Good. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Moving on to, to, to mine, I uh, I'll just come out and say it. I have never seen the karate kid. What? You never see- <laughs> what? Oh what?
1: God. The karate kid.
0: The karate kid. The karate You've never kid. Seen. Yes. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> <You're> the- <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh the story of uh, a young i can't even do it i can't yeah it's it's a, it's a story of a kid that <laughs> learns karate <laughs> no uh i know i know the basic structure of it mr miyagi teaches a kid daniel son to um to learn karate so that he don't can... laugh i mean you know don't laugh you're condescending <laughs> i'm not condescending i'm actually very much looking forward to watching this okay. movie finally um but it's just something that slipped through the cracks. I I just never got around to seeing it. I didn't have that, um, that, that moment in my childhood where I, where I watched this and it was, it was a movie that, that I connected to or anything like that. I just never had the opportunity to see it. Mm-hmm. And so I, maybe I saw one of the sequels. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember, but I mean, I just, I just, it slipped through the cracks and I'm, I, I don't know. So sell me on why the karate kid is why this gap is worthy of being filled
2: tiny. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I think again, I think Mike likes this movie more than I do. Um, <laughs> but it's, go first. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it is absolutely a classic. Um, I rewatched it recently for this episode. Uh, and I was delighted to rewatch it because, um, I, I think, it's it's such a perfect example of a coming of age tale i think the the setup for the characters all of them is just it's like a perfect example of if you were taking a class on you know how to write screenplays or how to construct stories creative writing and you wanted to do a coming of age tale watch this movie because i feel like all the characters are perfectly set up and placed and all of their development is exactly what a coming of age tale should be. Um, And the credit for that goes to several people. Um, The the script writer and the the screenwriter and the director. But I think almost most importantly is the actors, uh, Ralph Macchio and uh, Pat Morita. Ralph Macchio is so charming in this movie. I, I hadn't even remembered that since the last time I'd seen it. He's, I mean a lot like we've said this before a lot of kid actors kind of suck <laughs> they're just not very good sometimes you know um he is not that at all he's he's a perfect teenage kid he he's great he's he's funny he's he's got uh he's very good at just like you know shooting quips into conversations it's really it's charming it's fun and uh seeing how that personality is influenced by a Incredibly wise older man and how he sort of guides him into this new part of his life. It's just perfect. It's it's a really beautiful thing to see, and it's it's all done through something that I think a lot of us can connect with. Um, that's what I think the best part of the movie is. And uh, there's martial arts in it, so what's not to like? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I'll say in in, in defense of it.
0: Okay, not like. defense, but. You know. Right,
2: but again, I think Michael be better at this than I am. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, you know what? I gotta say, for someone uh, who thinks they don't like it as much as I do, I don't. Know, that's a weird way to say that. Uh, <laughs> I think he did a pretty good job. It it is absolutely a master class on coming of age tale. Uh, this for me was an important movie growing up. I watched it several times. It was um, kind of one of those Sunday afternoon like if it was on tv you watched it mm-hmm. uh directed by john g Avildsen, who did uh one of my top three favorite movies of all time uh rocky
0: oh nice i didn't know yeah that.
1: who uh which is n- not a coming of age tale at all right but uh <laughs> but you 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 gotta say um you have to acknowledge how how good of a story rocky is oh yeah Uh, again, you hit the nail on the head, Tiny, with, with your praise of Ralph Macchio. He does so many things in the movie, um, that it's kinda, it's kinda hard to say exactly what about it is so great. The thing I love the most is that while you totally get that he is charming and interesting and likable, you also kinda get why he might be an outcast. Um, yeah. as someone who, who kind of changed schools a couple of times growing up, I totally understood what that was like. Especially, especially when I moved from, uh, the big city to, to, uh, a rural country-ish area. Uh, he moves from, from New Jersey to California. And not that the differences are the same, but the gravity of those differences are very similar. Um and he plays that fish out of water incredibly well while maintaining uh likability. Like you said, there's karate in it, which is awesome. Um mm-hmm. Billy Zabka is deliciously over the top as the villain. Yes. Um he he does smoke a little pot in the movie, which I don't know is totally family friendly. Huh. Uh but it is a it is a PG. Uh Billy Zabka does, right, not right. uh and, and it's kind of a blink and you'll miss it. Like, you, yeah, you'll be like, did he, did he, is that okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ralph Macchio shines even more, I think. Well, maybe not even more. Similarly, Pat Morita as Miyagi shines. Um, and I won't ruin it, but there is a scene. I think they could have, they could have, uh, neglected to include in the movie and the movie would still be a, as effective but that they included it uh it really adds tremendous rate uh weight to the film uh tiny maybe you know what i'm talking about they add they add a little Absolutely. backstory to pat marita okay. uh-huh, that i th- like i said is not necessary but is but is um such a welcome addition to the movie It it kind of brings the movie to another mm-hmm. level to kind of use an antiquated phrase that a high schooler might have used. It's on a whole nother level because of this scene. Um, nice. but along with the coming of age, there is, there's a kind of a father and son tale happening
0: okay. at the mm-hmm. same
1: time. You, you get, uh, the symbiotic relationship they have in the scene I'm talking about. Um, while clearly Ralph Macchio, uh, Daniel Louriso needs, um, Pat Morita, uh, Miyagi to teach him karate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat Morita needs uh, Daniel all, all the same, uh, and I think that, or I hope that's what you get out of the movie.
0: Okay, wow. Um, as far as expectations for the movie, um, you guys have built it up spectacularly. Um, it's gonna be hard to dethrone three ninjas for me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, dude! I listen. <laughs> In terms, oh
1: man, so I'm much totally to say. I'm totally joking.
0: Go go ahead. <laughs> well, it's
1: okay. Yeah. It's funny that you're joking and I and I'm glad you're joking. Yeah. Um, but I I love Three Ninjas as well. Oh,
0: absolutely. Three
1: Ninjas is is fantastic yeah. childhood stuff. Yeah. Um, I I might never see it again though. Oh, really? Karate Kid is absolutely a movie I see again. It's yeah. it's a, you know, when you think of family movies, uh and I don't know like if you guys plan on ever having families, having kids. Um, but I, I do and it is absolutely near the top of the list of movies I'm excited to show a kid.
0: Nice.
1: The karate kid. Definitely. Um and and Three Ninjas is not one of those movies. <laughs> like I I would watch one of those with my kids, mm-hmm. you know, if they wanted to and it was on and I'd say, Oh yeah, I liked this movie a lot for some reason when I was little. <laughs> <laughs> but Karate Kid is is a great movie. It, yeah. it has yes. uh, depth to it for yeah. sure. As
0: mm-hmm. far as my expectations for the for the Karate Kid, um, it's interesting that you bring up that that the guy that directed Rocky directed it is that one of the things that I'm most excited about is that I I love those kinds of movies. Those kinds of, um. Like sport movies that, that show the, the trajectory of a character from being in one place of their life to another and how their sport helped them cultivate that type of thing, if that, uh, that type of, that type of, um, growth. Sure. Um, yeah. And I, I just I just really respect that in film and I I really love the way that it's depicted in all the all the movies of that kind that I see. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that in a movie that I haven't seen that has the critical and, and the cultural acclaim that the Karate Kid does. Um Yeah. Uh and I'm I'm just really looking forward to it. I have no I've, I I don't feel like my expectations are too high, or that the bar has been set too high, because I feel like this movie is going to be an interesting viewing experience for me on that level. And I'm a sucker for a good coming of age story, so I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it.
2: Cool. It's it's also fun in an '80s cheesy kind of '80s way too. Yeah, we um, didn't mention that at all, but absolutely go. Please continue, because it is. Yeah, it, it's very much an 80s movie, but but in a very enjoyable way. It has one of those classic, at least now in 2014, that's definitely their yeah. classics by now. Um, these classic 80s scenes that are so memorable for their music, like uh, in uh, Top Gun with Danger Zone or... Uh, you know, Breakfast Club with Don't Forget About Me, mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. Just those scenes like that. Uh, Dirty Dancing, Had the Time of My Life, stuff mm-hmm. like that. It has one or two of those scenes in it, and it's just like, you know they're cheesy, but they're so perfectly satisfying. Yeah. They they, they tug at a certain emotion that you don't mind that they're cheesy. Nice. You know, it's, it's, it's one is, of those.
1: There is specifically a line where Daniel says, hey, it's the 80s. That's awesome. I won't ruin the scene for you. Not not that it's a spoiler or anything, but it's. I I mean, I guess I kind of did. Oh, that's. uh, But it, you'll chuckle. Also, you will notice uh, the 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 female lead, um, um, Elizabeth Shue, Mm -hmm. would not be cast as a female lead today. Really? She just looking at her. She is not the um she is she's gorgeous i mean right. she, she's beautiful but she is not like m- movie star today female lead high school girl she looks like a high schooler uh she's not ridiculously thin and i appreciate the movie all the more for that
2: okay yeah she's not like gratuitously overly sexual and stuff like that yeah i i agree with that 100% and I, I, watching it recently i it's still so this just added to the mystery of Elizabeth Shue's career because she's really good in the movie as well. She I is. mean, she's, she's fantastic and she's amazingly beautiful. It's just amazing. It's it's so strange that she didn't, you know, get launched into the stratosphere for decades and decades. It's right. It's surprising. Um, Interesting. I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to
0: that. How does Will Smith's son do? <laughs> Shut <laughs> up. I'm yanking your chain. Shut I'm, up. I'm have, you no, have you seen that? Have you seen the remake? I haven't seen the remake. I gotta say, I kinda like it a lot. I remember you saying that, and I was very surprised. Um, I like I've it in it. a
1: different way, but it hits a lot of the same beats, and I, and I appreciate it. Okay. My mm-hmm. My biggest gripe, and I might have said this before, uh, is that he's doing kung fu. Right. It's kung, He should be the kung fu kid. Yeah. yeah. That's stupid, and it's so very American. Yeah. Uh, But whatever.
0: Um... All right. Well, I think that that about does it. I mean, we can we'll come back in a week and we'll we'll, we'll have our have our uh, breakdown of, of the Gap movies as after we've seen them.
2: Sounds good. Yeah. Can't wait. Awesome. Yeah. Uh,